Coming up on Philosophy Talk, loyalty. I am not and never have been a member of the Communist Party. Loyalty unites. Either you're with us. Loyalty divides. Or you're with the enemy. Unshakable loyalty, lifelong loyalty, these are good things. Divided loyalties, blind loyalty, misplaced loyalty, these are bad things. Who deserves our loyalty? Can loyalty blind us to the needs of others? What should we do when our loyalty is betrayed? Our guest is philosopher and poet Troy Jollimore. Loyalty, coming up on Philosophy Talk. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from the studios of KALW San Francisco. We're continuing conversations that began at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus. Our topic today, loyalty. Loyalty binds people together, Ken. Friendships, marriages, nations are built on loyalty. Try imagining a person who has no loyalty whatsoever to anything or anyone. Ah, she'd be friendless, loveless, nationless. She'd feel no devotion to any higher cause or principle like truth or justice. She she couldn't even be a, a Giants fan, and not even something so inconsequential as a Dodgers fan. A life without loyalty would be empty, devoid of important things that make us fully human. Oh, yeah, but not all loyalties are created equal, John. Loyalty to a sports team? Well, that's a shallow form of loyalty. Loyalty to a nation? That's weighty, but it can sometimes demand too much. Or think of the loyalty of some battered wives to their abusive husbands. Now, there's misplaced loyalty, if there ever was such a thing. Well, it's sad when you've got loyalty, but you can't, you can't trust. You know, if you can't trust your spouse not to beat you or cheat on you... Then does your spouse deserve your loyalty? If you can't trust your government not to send you off into stupid wars uh, or unjust wars, uh, then does your government deserve your loyalty? You know, that question's connected to something else. Earlier on, we said that loyalty unites, and that's a good thing. But loyalty also divides, and that's a potentially bad thing. And those soldiers at war, they are driven to kill each other by their competing loyalties. Well, think of parents who lavish toys on their own children and then then out of the sense of loyalty and devotion, uh, forget about others. Uh, they might be able to make a lot bigger difference to the world by just spending a little of that money on, on underprivileged children in, in other lands that they have no loyalty to. So their loyalty blinds them to how they could really be the most effective people they could be. Yeah, and loyalty also divides a person from herself. I mean, loyalty and devotion to your family, for example, can pull in one direction, while loyalty to an employer can pull you in an entirely different direction. And managing such conflicts, that's, that's really no easy task. Well, maybe the answer is you just have to decide. Like you, can. you got to decide whether your highest loyalty lies. Do you want to be a better parent or a better philosophy professor and radio host? Yeah, but you make it sound like a brute decision, like a sort of existential thing. There must be some principles, though, some moral principle that tell us who and what we owe loyalty to and to what degree we owe that loyalty. 
Well, I, I don't know. That's that's kind of hard. If you're a utilitarian, it seems like uh, the highest principle is you should always act so as to produce the greatest good for the greatest number. But but if that's your view, it seems to me it's pretty hard to make any sense out of loyalty at all. Uh, well, tell me more. Why do you say that? Well, Ken, suppose you, you got two people drowning. You're in a boat. You can save only one of them. One of them happens to be a Nobel laureate who's just discovered a new cure for cancer. The other happens to be your spouse. Which one are you going to save? Well, that's easy. I save my wife, of course. Well, not if you're a utilitarian. You'll say you do, you do that out of loyalty, but the utilitarian really has, has no room for that. Utilitarian morality says you give no special weight to your wife. In deciding what to do, her well-being should count no more, no less, but no more than that of anyone else. Well, that seems to me just wrong. Uh, I mean, I, I have to admit, though, I, ha I have a hard time putting my finger on just why it's wrong. My, my wife means a whole lot more to me than just any arbitrary other person. But, but does my loyalty and devotion to her really morally obligate or morally entitle me to give more weight to her well-being than the well-being of others? That's a hard question. Well, let's see just where you draw the line. I mean, suppose it was a matter of saving your wife or letting two other people or three other people. Or maybe maybe the whole Nobel Prize contingent for a given year drown. Would you still be inclined to save her and let those people drown? Oh, gosh, John, that, that's a tough one. I mean, unbalanced loyalty and special concern, the special concern that goes with it, that seems to me like a really good thing. But you're illustrating that loyalty can go too far. Where, where do you draw the line? We're going to put that question and more questions to our guest. Our guest is poet and philosopher Troy Jollimore. Troy has a very interesting perspective on loyalty as well as love, friendship, and morality. And we'd love to hear from our very loyal listeners as well. The number to call is 1-800-525-9917. That's 1-800-525-9917. But first, our roving philosophical reporter, Jill Repligal, looks at the nature of loyalty in sports and sports fans. She files this report. It's Sunday afternoon, July 11th, in the Civic Center Plaza of San Francisco. Hundreds of people are here watching the Netherlands and Spain play for the World Cup final. Most of them are wearing either orange or red and black. People have their faces painted. They're wearing funny hats. They're yelling and screaming. But there's no American team playing. What are they getting so excited about? You got to throw logic out of the equation. Brian Murphy is co-host of the Murph and Mac Morning Show on KNBR, San Francisco's leading sports radio station. It's an emotional experience, so there's so, any different number of reasons you're going to find that emotional ties, like why you fall in love with another person. You know, sometimes it's hard to describe why you love a person, but you love that person, and that's the way it is with sports teams. Of course, one of the main ties that bind is geography. You root for the home team. When that loyalty gets shaken, it can be especially devastating. Consider basketball star LeBron James, who left the Cleveland Cavaliers to play for the Miami Heat. He grew up there in Akron, Ohio, and he was a hometown kid, and they were so proud of him because he was a hometown kid, and the fact that he played for their team, the Cleveland Cavaliers, made it triply great that they could be loyal to him and the team, that of course, in loyalty, sometimes you get your heart broken. When there is no home team, like for the vast majority of people watching the World Cup final, Fans come up with all sorts of other reasons to assign their loyalties. The way a guy plays the game, the way he moves, the way he hits the ball, the way he feels the ball in baseball makes you like him, and then all of a sudden you're loyal to that team. I remember as a little kid, I fell in love with Fred Lynn of the Boston Red Sox. You can get loyal to a team because your dad or your mom rooted for them when they were kids. Sometimes people just like teams because they like their uniforms, you know, and they become loyal in a silly way as a kid. 
Alex Martinez is a diehard 49ers football fan. One of the very first things I remember is playing cards with my cousins, and uh, they had football cards. And then I remember looking at a card, and it happened to be a 49er card. I don't remember the player, but when I saw the card and the uniform, I don't know, you just looked so cool. And I was like, wow, this is my team. Martinez made that choice when he was a kid growing up in Los Angeles, and he's been loyal ever since, even when the team sucks. These seasons that they've been losing, I think I've become more of a fan just because it's like, God, I gotta watch these guys, even though I know they're gonna get shredded. So I think the loyalty just grows when they lose. You have to watch them because you feel like that's gonna help them in some way? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I feel like I'm the difference maker. <laughs> It's like, God, if I would have watched it, wouldn't have fumbled that ball and, you know, would have kept possession and, you know, scored the game-winning touchdown or whatever. Yeah, it's crazy like that. And that's what fandom is. It's somehow feeling that you yourself are part of the competition. David Hankin has thought about sports loyalty a lot. He teaches 19th century American history at UC Berkeley, including the rise of spectator sports like baseball and boxing. He says in the early days of boxing, people tended to root for the fighter that most closely represented their interests. Boxing especially was built into other lines of political, social, ethnic conflict. So to be a fan of a particular boxer was often an assertion of your pride in your ethnic group or your political party or your, or your gang or your firefighting company. In 19th century baseball, people mostly rooted for the home team. But what drove Hankin's own baseball loyalty shows how much things have changed. I was born in France, and when my father would read us the baseball scores as a kid, he would often call them St. Louis. And that probably sounded French to me. I think I like that. It seems there really is no logic in sports loyalty. Even when fans don't get much back, they tend to remain faithful. Sportscaster Brian Murphy. Why are you supporting this team with your loyalty and your money? and your time when they're not returning the favor by putting a winning product on the field or trading away your favorite player or not drafting a player you wanted them to draft or whatever. Your team is your team. And if you don't stick with your team, you're not really a true sports fan. To get the pleasure of being a sports fan, you have to go through the pain, too. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Jill Replogle. Want to hear more? You can find the complete episode on iTunes Music, or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.